All right, Red Rocks Austin. <laughs> We're doing good? Feeling good? You look good. Scott, you look great. Sitting in the front row, man. I appreciate that. Hey, um, I'm just going to point this out, the elephant in the room. Scott and I have the same exact Bible. Scott, would you put that up in the air? That is how you know we will be friends forever. Um, as Doug said, my name is Ryan. And um, I, I love getting to do this. Church is, is my favorite night uh, of the week. And y'all are here on a Saturday evening at 6 p.m. in a city like Austin where there are so many amazing things you could be doing. You're here with us. And, and that just means the world to us. So thank you, thank you, thank you for, for being here. Um, you get stuck with the nerd tonight, uh, apparently. It's true. I'm like the guy that goes to Barnes & Noble on my day off. You know, and just kind of sits with all the books and, and, and just enjoys that. And for so long, I fought it and I tried to be someone that, that I wasn't. And it's time that I just own up to it. I step into my identity and, and I go, you know what? I'm a nerd and that's okay. So um, we are going to have some fun tonight um, because the, the Bible for me, um, I, I love books, but especially this book. Um, this isn't just a book. This is a library. Uh, of 66 books written by, we, we believe, 40 different authors over the course of 1,500 years. And it's stories, it's poetry, it's prophecy, it's letters, and all of it is woven together so beautifully to tell one story. It's a story of, of a creator and his love for his creation. And man, over the last decade or, or so, um, I've, I've just fallen in love with, with the God that, that this book is about. And story after story, although they were written thousands of years ago, I've found apply directly to my life here in Austin in, in 2019. So what we're going to do, very simple tonight, is I'm going to read one of these stories. I'm going to read one of these stories, and this is one that, that's been working on me for, for a number of years now. Um, and I, I just love it. It's a bit of an odd story, but it's fun. I'm going to read it in just a second, then I'm going to pray, and, and then I'll take just a few minutes to, to do my best to, to walk us through it a bit and, and explain it. We'll sing some songs. We'll get out of here and enjoy our, our Saturday evening. Does that sound like a plan? Hey, plus it's Saturday, and we're already done with church after today, so you get the whole day off tomorrow. You watch the Pro Bowl, if anyone still does that. I don't. It's not that great. But you can do whatever you want tomorrow. It's going to be a great day. Okay, Matthew 26. We're going to pick it up in verse 36. It says this. Then Jesus went with them to a place called Gethsemane, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there and pray. A little bit of context. This is three years into Jesus' ministry. This is the final night before he goes to the cross. He's been with 12 guys, 12 disciples, and they've spent all day um, in, in the temple hanging out, preaching the good news, healing people. And what's happened over the course of these few years is um, a lot of times people don't know what to do with good news. And so we've got a lot of people angry at Jesus at this point, and several different groups are, are ready to kill him. So, so it's nighttime, and so they go up to the Garden of Gethsemane just to lay low for a little while. And he's with his disciples, and he says, Taking with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, he began to be very sorrowful and troubled. So, so Jesus has got his 12, 11 at this point, Judas, too soon. 
he's gone. But he's, he's got within that 12, he's got an inner three, Peter, James, and John. So he takes them a, a little bit further. And it says, my, he says to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Jesus is going through. This is a difficult night. And hindsight's 2020. We, we now know that he has the weight of the world's sins on his shoulders. And so he's struggling. Um, Luke, who's a, a doctor, tells us in his account that he's sweating blood at this point, which actually happens when you go through like immense internal pain, emotional pain. Jesus is going through it. And he goes, hey, Peter, I need you right now. You're my sidekick. Would you please just stay awake? Would you please stay awake and, and keep watch with me? It says, going a, a little further, Jesus goes a little further. He falls on his face and he prays, saying, My father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. A whole sermon right there, a beautiful prayer that, that we'll get to at some point. Tonight, I want to focus on the next verse where it says, And he came to the disciples and found them sleeping. So Jesus is going through it, weight of the world on his shoulders, just needs Peter to stay awake, and Peter falls asleep. Tough break, Peter. Like, like come on, man, Let, let's go. And Jesus says, so you couldn't even keep watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. Interesting verse here we'll come back to. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. So again, for a second time, he goes away and prays. And if you're Peter at this point, this is the moment where you chug a Red Bull and you do some push-ups and you go like, okay, I messed this up once. I'm not messing this up again. I got this, right? Let, let, let's keep watch. Jesus goes away, prays the same prayer. My father, if this cannot pass unless I drink it, your will be done. And again, he comes back and he finds them sleeping. It says, I love it, for their eyes were heavy. It's like, Oh, poor Peter, your eyes are heavy. I'm just saving the world over here. But no, you, you have heavy eyes, so, so you, you go ahead and, and sleep. He goes and he finds them sleeping again. So leaving them again, he went away and prayed for the third time, saying the same words again. Then he came to the disciples and said to them, Sleep and take your rest later on. See, the hour is at hand. The Son of Man is betrayed into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us be going. A betrayer is at hand. Bit of an odd story. And yet I believe something so much deeper is going on here. And that's what I want to dive into for our few moments that we have together tonight. So let's pray and then we'll get after it. Father, we love you so much. I thank you for this room. Thank you for Red Rocks Austin. Thank you for every soul in this place. Spirit, would you help us? Would you teach us? Would you guide us tonight? Don't let us leave this place unchanged. We love you. We thank you for your word. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We good? You guys all right? You guys alive? Feeling good? Okay. Who knows what this is? Anyone know? It's old school. Old school. This is called an alarm clock. Say it, say it after me. Alarm clock. Some of you are looking at me like, that's old school now? Like, oh no, yeah, the iPhone has come out and it's got it right there on it. And so, so alarm clocks are gone. Any old school alarm clock users still? I am one. Yes. Oh, we're in good company tonight. I, I, I love that. I have a, uh, a real love-hate relationship with the alarm clock. 
I, I use it because Simon Sinek taught me um, that, that I shouldn't put my phone right by my bed, which is brilliant, right? Because when you do, you just wake up and go right to the ESPN app or Instagram or your emails and you get stressed out. So put your phone on the other side of the room. The problem is you need an alarm clock, and so you can go buy one for 10 bucks. And I was like, oh, yeah. So I, I, I've been doing that, but I have a love-hate relationship with it. I, I, I hate it because you know how the iPhone or whatever smartphone you have's alarm just kind of sounds like an angel, like floating into the room, waking you up like, hey, champ, you look great today already. This is your day. Seize the day. So many opportunities. You're going to crush it today. This is your time. And you wake up just like, I think I'm ready to go. The alarm clock sounds more like your worst enemy, like, like busting through the door, picking up a pillow, whacking you in the head, just like, hey, it's a cold world out there, kid. You're falling behind already. Better start swimming. You're going to sink like a stone, right? There's no time for this. Get up. What are you doing? And you lay there and you're like, who programmed these things? And why does it sound like so angry? I don't even know what, what, what I did, right? I, I love or I hate the alarm clock for that, but I also love it. And here's why I love it. The alarm clock has this amazing button on it. It's right in the front. You can't miss it. They make it the biggest one on there. We all know what this button is. This is called the what? The snooze button. The snooze button is uh, basically the way to push back all of your problems for eight minutes. Right? Like, it let's be real. It destroys morning routines. It ruins breakfast. Ever had like a, like a big gourmet breakfast? There it is. You guys know this sound? I feel like anxiety in the room right now. Like you feel like you're late to a meeting. You just want it to turn off. Luckily, there's a snooze button. Snooze button. Look at that. Problem solved. It destroys breakfast. It makes you late to meetings. But let's be real. We love it. We love it because it allows us to push everything back eight minutes. Anybody ever got into a lot of trouble because of the snooze button? And yeah. We're all, we're all there. It's church, safe place. It's cool. Um, I, a number of years ago, I was a missions pastor. Um, and my role one Saturday was to lead this huge outreach where um, everybody in the church came and we went out in the community and, and helped everybody. And we were super excited for it, put in a lot of work. It was like the biggest day of the year. Problem is, one of my best buddies got married the night before in a, another state. And so I'm at this point where I'm like, well, I, I got to do, do both. Like, I'm going to get fired if I don't go on Saturday. But it's my buddy's wedding. Like, you, you got to be there. So I go, and um, we go. We have a great time. We eat cake. We dance. We celebrate late into the night. And then I find a flight at 6 a.m. the next morning. So I go in and, and, and wake my brother up. I'm like, hey, Doug, can you drive me to the airport? Being the good brother that he is, he's like, yeah, no problem. That's not true. He actually called Uber and then, and then went back to sleep. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He drove me. He's a good brother. Good brother, wherever you're at. Love you, Doug. Um, we, he drives me to the airport. I get there just in time, and, and I do the whole work day. And by about 2.30, we finish up, and I'm completely exhausted. Like, I barely make it home, get to my bed, and fall asleep. Problem is, it's about 3 p.m. at this point. We have a service, a Saturday night service at 5 p.m., and I'm the one that has to, to host. So I have to be up on stage doing announcements, making everyone feel welcome. Right? So, so I go, I, I got I, I, I to gotta have like a power nap. I set my alarm for 4 o'clock. I go, I'll sleep for an hour. 
get up, get in the right mindset, and I'll be fine. Which is a great plan on paper until you fall asleep and you haven't slept for a long time because my alarm clock goes off and I just immediately hit snooze. Then I hit snooze, then I hit snooze, then I hit snooze one more time, and then my phone rings. I pick it up. It's one of the other pastors from the church. And he goes, hey, where are you? Like, everybody's looking for you. Everybody's trying to find you. And, and you know when you're sleeping and you wake up, you're not making any sense. So I'm, like, making up excuses. Like, oh, I'm at the gym, working out, whatever. He's like, are you asleep right now? I look at my phone. It's 4.45, 15 minutes before I, I have to be on stage. And he, he goes, I'll never forget it. He goes, Ryan, if there's ever a time for you to wake up, this is that moment. And so I kind of come to you, I get in my car, I speed, forgive me, Lord, speed to church, get to service as the song is playing that, like the song right before I'm supposed to go up, get to the front row, grab a microphone, take a deep breath. And then in my mind, like I crush it, you know, like I get up there and I'm like, I just handle business. Reality is that's not, I, I get down and one of the pastors goes, what, what just happened? Like, I don't know, man, it's a long story, buddy. Wedding, serve. I, I, I don't know, because the snooze button gets us in trouble sometimes, doesn't it? And I love that line, Ryan, if there's ever a chance for, or if there's ever a time for you to wake up, this is that time. Because when I read Matthew 26, that's how I feel about Peter. Like, Peter, if there's ever a moment for you to wake up, to stop hitting the snooze button, this is that moment. Right, like um, Ephesians 3.20 is our, our theme verse for, for the series. He can, he, um, Paul's prayer of God doing immeasurably more than we could even imagine. Like Ephesians 3.20 is happening a few feet away from Peter in this moment. Jesus is saving the world and Peter is hitting the snooze button, sleeping through it. And, and here's the thing, like Peter, Peter's a tough guy. Peter's a fisherman. Peter's used to long nights out uh, on the water where if you fall asleep, it can literally cost you your life, right? Which leads me to think that there must be something deeper going on here. And what I think it is, is I think Peter is just struggling to keep up with the generosity of Jesus. I think Peter is struggling to keep up with, with a guy, um, Paul writes, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, God took him who knew no sin to be sin that we may become the righteousness of Christ. In other words, Jesus, who knew no sin, takes on our sin for us, right? And Peter's watching this play out, and you see a guy that you've been with for the last three years who's done nothing wrong, and yet, in humility and generosity and love, takes on the sins of the world and is a few feet away, like, wrestling with it, going, I don't want to do this, but I'll do it out of love. And I think Peter's finally got to this place where he's like, man, I just, I, I don't know what to do with that anymore. Have you ever, ever met someone that's just so over the top generous that you, you love being with them, but it's almost like too much, <laughs> you know? It's almost like, oh man, like this is hard for me, probably because I, I realize that I'm not there yet. Or been met, known someone who's so forgiving that like, like you offend them and you're like, oh man, this is going to cost me like two years of friendship with this person. And then you go and talk to them and they're just like, yeah, that's no, good. That's good. Let's forget about it. Water under the bridge. 
Like someone that's so forgiving like that. I love being around them, but I, I don't know what to do with them because part of me is like, I feel like I need to suffer a little bit for this. Like that's, that's you're being too nice right now. Stop being so nice. Or someone that's just so encouraging. Um, we, we got lunch with a, a local pastor this week who's the most encouraging guy literally, that, that I've ever met. And it was this brilliant lunch where he was just speaking life over us. And, and it's amazing. But I get in the car with Doug and E afterwards. And I, I'm like, guys, that was incredible. I'm like, I don't know what to do. Like, I feel like I can't keep up with the encouragement that, that, that's coming from that guy, right? Like, like, there are people in this world that I feel like are just ahead of me. And, and I'm trying to keep up with them, but I'm not there yet. And I feel like Peter is having this moment in the garden where he is seeing just the most, the kindest act of love and surrender play out in front of his eyes. He's just not there yet. He's just not there yet. He's being called to wake up. The alarm clock's going off, but he just keeps hitting the snooze button. We know this because then um, the, the guards come to arrest Peter or arrest Jesus after this moment. And Peter pulls out his sword and he starts trying to fight. Which at one level you're like, cool. But at another level, Jesus is like, hey, we're not going to do that anymore. Like that's not how we're going to fight our battles anymore. Jesus is giving Peter these opportunities, these calls to wake up. Peter's just not, he's not quite there yet. He hits snooze. By the way, this, this is so common all throughout Jesus' ministry. Like, like his three years on earth, it's 33 years on earth, but the three years that we have recorded are just him inviting people to wake up, hitting the alarm clock. And sometimes people listen, other times people hit the snooze button. Right? Let, let, let's, let's take a few. Nicodemus, John chapter 3. You can go read these, these stories this week. A guy named, named Nicodemus who's like the smartest guy around. There it is. Anyone have anxiety yet? We're doing all right? What if I just let it play out? It gets worse. Hey, I was practicing this uh, last night, and my neighbors, like, we share a wall, and they were probably just so angry at me because I was just, just letting that play out. All right, that, is he sleeping through this? What's, what, what's the deal? Don't worry. I know. It just keeps going. Snooze. We're cool. Don't worry. Don't worry. Nicodemus comes in and he's like, Jesus, I don't understand how you're doing what you're doing. Like, you're so free. I've read every book there is to read and I still can't grasp it. And Jesus, in so many words, goes, Nicodemus, wake up. Wake up. This is where the be born again lingo comes from, this conversation. He goes, this isn't, this isn't about you. This isn't some intellectual ascent. I wish it was. It'd be easier for, for a guy like Nicodemus and, and myself. But he's like, it's so much deeper. You've got to get out of the way. You have to be born again. Nicodemus, wake up. John 5. Jesus comes up to a guy who's been paralyzed for 38 years. He's sitting by this, this pool because of the silly superstition that says, hey, an angel's going to come stir this pool. And if you're the first person in, you're going to be healed. So Jesus walks right up and he goes, hey, do you want to be well? In other words, hey, wake up. The alarm clock's going off. And the man goes, how, how can I be made well? There's nobody who can, who can lift me up and, and carry me into the pool. And Jesus goes, wake up. This isn't what we're doing anymore. We don't have to rely on some silly superstition. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Get up. Take up your mat. Walk. And he does it. 38 years, and he goes. Or what about Matthew? 
the tax collector, the guy that wrote the story that we just read, when we are introduced to him, he's a tax collector, which there are so many reasons um, why he would be hated, and we're not going to get into it. We don't have time. We'll do it another night. But everybody in Jerusalem would have hated Matthew, ignored him, never talked to him. Every person except Jesus. Jesus walks right up to him and goes, hey, um, you ready to wake up? You ready to stop being a traitor and stealing people's money? You ready to live a better life? Because I've got an opportunity for you. And Matthew, to his credit, he goes, and they go straight to Matthew's house. And it says they're sitting down and having a meal, reclining at the table. And a bunch of Pharisees, religious leaders, the pastors, right? They're watching it, and they're going, that's so wrong. Jesus, you shouldn't eat with sinners. And Jesus so brilliantly comes over and goes, hey, uh, Pharisees, those who are well have no need for a physician. It's those who are sick. Go and learn what that means. And what he's doing is he's going, hey, um, you're just as broken as all of us. And so wake up, stop trying to, to pretend like, like your good deeds are going to get you there. I know they're not, you're broken, but it's cool because there's room at the table, come in. Let's go. The Pharisees are hearing the alarm clock and they're going, I can't do that. Snooze button. They go away. Right? Example after example after example. Um, the rich young ruler, Matthew 19. Young zealous guy comes running up to Jesus done so many things in his young life, accomplished so much, and yet there's something missing. So he runs up and he goes, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And they have, they have this conversation that ends with Jesus going, look, here's the problem. You're, uh, you, you're still hiding behind all of these amazing things that you're able to accomplish. You've done a lot in your young years. How about this? What if you took all those things that you try to hide behind, you go and sell them? Give it to the poor, and then, and then let's go. Let's go, let's go do some, some kingdom work. The alarm clock goes off, and you might know the story. It says it goes away sad. Snooze. Eh, can't do that. I can't, I can't look at how much I've accomplished. I can't just give it all away and start back from scratch. Or last, last one, Luke 15, story of the prodigal son. Doug, Doug told it week one. Two sons, the younger one gets his inheritance early and goes off and, and just spends it all to the point where he um, is down on his luck. He's out of money. He's eating out of the troughs that the pigs eat out of. And there's this brilliant verse, Luke 15, 17, that says, but when he came to his senses, right? when he wakes up, he goes, whoa, what? I was heading that direction. Now it's very clear that I need to go this direction. And it's brilliant because then he, he goes and, and the good father is, is waiting on the porch, ready to welcome him in. He runs to him. He puts the best robe on him. He goes, let's party. Let's have some fun because my son just woke up. My son stopped hitting the snooze button. My son is awake now. But there's another, another side to the story where, where the older son the self-righteous son that's, that's been working and working and working and never messed up. He, he comes to the father and he goes, hey, where's my party? Uh, I, I've been doing this for years. I, I've never messed up. Where, where is my party? And the father looks at him. It's so brilliant and so good. He looks at me and he says, you are always with me. And everything that I have is yours. But we had to celebrate 
because our son's back. Our boy's back. So of course we're going to celebrate. But you're always here. You're already invited to the party. You're good. The alarm clock's going off. The older brother has this opportunity to go, oh, I am good. Oh, I can stop hiding. Oh, I can just be who I am in this family that loves me and accepts me, but he can't do it. Can't do it. He hits the snooze button. So over and over and over again in Jesus' ministry, Jesus is giving people opportunities to wake up, to move a little further, to wake up a little bit more to just how beautiful God is and just how accepted they are. Sometimes people hear it, they wake up. Other times they hit the snooze button. But, but for Jesus, he's like, oh, I'm just going to keep telling the good news. I'm just going to keep telling the good news, and, and, and we'll see what happens. But if you snooze, you lose. Unless you choose to cruise, Jesus, it's not, it's not working. Not working. All right, let's talk about you for, for a few minutes. Because um, as the great 20th century prophet Albus Dumbledore once told Harry, there's coming a time where we'll all have to choose between what is easy and what is right. This week, the alarm clock's going to go off, and you and I are going to have opportunities to choose between what's easy, snooze, and what's right, right? what God's calling us to do. So, so you're in the office this week, or you're at school, and you hear the gossip. You hear, you hear the meeting in the, in the hallway. I don't know why it's always the hallway, but, but the meeting in the hallway and everybody's gossiping and chirping. And there's such a party that wants to just go and be in on it, right? But, but let's be real for a second, and I'm preaching to myself. What we're doing in that moment is we're proving that we don't understand what the, older, what the father said to the older son. Hey, everything I have is yours. You're always with me. See, at some level of my heart, we... we there it is. I'm not going to let it go this time. Snooze. Let's go. At some level, at, at some level um, of my heart, I still think that God is grading us on a curve. And I still feel like I'm, I'm behind <laughs> on the curve, which is totally true. If this is real, I'm in trouble. Um, I still feel like I'm behind. And so when I talk bad about other people, when I gossip, that's my way of, of, of moving up a little bit. Because if we can bring other people down, then we feel like we're, we're moving up a little bit. It's just, it's just us not realizing that, that we already have a seat at the table, right? And, and so have you ever had that moment where something good happens for somebody else? Like they get the promotion, they get engaged, they get pregnant, whatever it is. And, and you, at, like one piece of you is so excited, cheering them on. There's another piece, if you're being real, is a little bitter, a little angry. God, when, when, when is my time? Or the other side of that, and, and Lord, help us, somebody else falls behind. Somebody else has a moral failure. Somebody else has something happen to them. And there's a piece of us that, like, cheers because we feel like we're moving forward uh, a little bit. Or, or in the Christian circles, it's, hey, we need to pray for so-and-so. And then... Right, all, all of the gossip happens. It's just us not understanding how beautiful the gospel is. It's, it's us not waking up to, to the, the beauty of God's grace for us. So, so maybe this week, when that happens, when that moment happens and you want to just go jump in and, and, and join the circle, you stop. You say to yourself, 
everything. Hear God say to you, everything that I have is yours. You are always with me. I'm good. I don't need to go down that road. I don't need to play that game anymore. You stop, you take a deep breath, you say a little prayer of thanksgiving, you get back to work. Or you go find someone to speak life over. You go find someone to encourage. You go find, you go buy someone coffee, go buy someone lunch. Just go move the ball forward instead of pulling it back. It's the alarm clock. It's going off. We have these opportunities all the time. What about traffic? You will get caught in traffic this week. It's almost a, a, a promise in Austin. It happened to me Wednesday night. Uh, I'm driving home up the 35, bad accident a couple miles ahead of me, and it just comes to a dead stop. And I, for like 30 seconds, as I have this talk going through my head, she gets so angry. Like, God, I don't have time for this right now. I got to go prepare this message, right? Like, like, are you kidding me right now? I don't have time to, to, to even pray anymore because I just spend so much time in traffic. I, I, I feel like someday I'm going to get to heaven and go, sorry, I didn't pray more, Lord. Like, traffic was bad. And he's going to be like, yeah, I know. I gave that to you so that you'd slow down a little bit. Like when we're in traffic, there's nothing else we have to do. We can just pray, right? We, we, and pray for who? Oh, the guy that just cut you off, who you just flipped the bird to. Maybe start there. Or, or how about this? What about the accident that's two miles ahead of us that, that we feel is, is so inconvenient for us? They're probably going through a life or death situation right now. What if we stopped and prayed for them? in that moment. Traffic can be an alarm clock. We can hit the snooze button, get angry, or we can wake up, wake up. This week as the, the, the drug of choice rears its ugly head and, and, and you want to just go medicate and, and get away from the world, you can do that. You can hit the snooze button, it's fine. God's grace is, is, is sufficient for you. There's still a seat at the table for you. Or you can stop and you can go, hey, um, there's something down deep underneath the surface that's causing me a lot of pain and that forces me to want to medicate and that forces me to want to keep coming back to the same old habitual sin pattern. Um, Spirit, would, would we go down deep and do some surgery right now? And, and maybe the alarm clock's going off. I'm not going to hit snooze this time. I'm going to go do the hard work. I'm going to see what's down there because I believe that Jesus paid much too high of a price for us to walk around in slavery. All right? Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. What about forgiveness? Man, that's a hard one. Forgiveness is, is a hard one. We love holding on to bitterness, don't we? And, and if you're like me, there's lots of people in life that you've been able to forgive. But maybe there's that one person or that one group that, that you've always just held on tight to that resentment. And it's like the alarm clock goes off. And it's like the pain starts, starts coming up and you just go, ah, too busy, too busy. Forget about that. Uh, I'll get that to that later. Maybe this is the week where you allow yourself to sit in the pain, sit in the anger, and you do work with God in that moment and you get to a point where you can just honestly let go. Like, like we have... Red Rocks, awesome. We have too much work to do in this city to hold a bunch of resentment and bitterness and carry that around in jars with us. It's like having a huge backpack on your back while you're trying to go uh, on a journey. And God's like, hey, go make disciples in Austin and proclaim the good news that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And, and we're all over here like, okay, I'm trying, but I'm also like really bitter about a lot of things, you know? And maybe this week the Spirit's tapping you on the shoulder saying, hey, it's time to, time to put that one down. 
time to put that one down. Uh, let's go. Uh, let's move on from there. Or like, man, we live in the most polarizing world, don't we? This world is full of people who disagree with you, disagree with me, and it feels so good sometimes just to fight. Not like fist fight. I don't do that because I'll just get destroyed. Um, but like, like with words, right? Verbally get into arguments and, and let our opinions be known, right? Man, I, I feel like sometimes we must just look like Peter in the garden. Jesus comes back, the guards come, and Peter's just pulling out his sword and trying to fight, right? Peter's just, just, just chopping off. You, you ever think about the fact that he chops the guy's ear off? It's a weird, it's weird. Like, I've never been in a battle, but I feel like that's just not the move, right? Unless there's some genius imagery going on here as Jesus goes over, picks up the ear, and says, Peter, put your sword away. Those who, who um, live by the sword will die by the sword. Instead, we're going to learn how to listen. Right? And I, I, I get it. You want to do something about the evil in this world. I do too. But you can't cast out darkness with more darkness. We're going to need a light for that, Peter. So you want to fight, that's great. But let's let our weapons be love. Let's let our weapons be grace. Let's let our weapons be forgiveness and mercy and our worship. Why don't we start there? Wake up, Peter. There's a new way to do this. Right? <laughs> Kingdom of heaven. Versus the kingdom of Jerusalem. Peter wants to fight and get back his kingdom, right? Let's take it back from the Romans. Jesus is like, Peter, there's a whole new way to live life called the kingdom of heaven. And here, if you want to be first, you be last. If you want to be great, you serve. And if you want to find your life, you lose it. So, so, so Peter, the alarm clock's going off. What if we learn how to listen? And what if we learn how, how to be with people and love people and welcome people to the party? Man, um, uh, I'll end with this. And Ben, you guys can, can cruise up. Did I, is, did I make my point? Are we good? All right, I'm turning it off. I'm turning it off. Um, Peter's story doesn't end that night in the garden. Um, far from it, actually. Peter goes on to become um, the leader uh, of the church. Jesus goes to the grave, goes to the cross, goes to the grave, walks out with the, with the keys of death in his hand, comes up to Peter who's fishing because he's just so embarrassed by everything that happened and Jesus just welcomes him right back in, gives him another chance to wake up and this time around he wakes up. This time around, he gets it. This time around, he goes, all right, I got it. I realize that the good news is even better than I ever thought, so let's go. And then Peter just goes crazy. Man, he, he just starts loving people, and he starts proclaiming the name of Jesus. And the church starts to spread from, from Jerusalem to Judea and to Samaria to the ends of the earth, all because Peter woke up and said, I'm not going to play that game anymore. I'm not going to stay awake. There's too much work to be done. There's too many people to be encouraged. Let's go. In fact, he goes um, so much that some of the leaders get, get angry with him. They go, Peter, you, you got to stop. Right? Acts 4.20, he's already been arrested. He's already been beaten. Acts 4.20, he goes, look, make fun of me. You can throw me in jail. You can kill me. I can't help but speak about what I've seen and heard because I'm awake now. See, I, I get something that the rest of the world doesn't. I get just how beautiful Jesus really is. And I'm going to spend the rest of my life helping the cities that I go to see the same thing. 
And so I, I look around this room, and man, all I see is potential. I see a, a group of human beings with so much potential to go into a city that we love with a really great message that Jesus is even more beautiful than, than, than we could have ever known. Right? Go into our neighborhoods, into our workplaces, into our schools, into every restaurant that, that we show up in and just encourage people, just speak life into people, give people hope. This is an amazing city. There are a lot of people who are really, really holding out for some good news right now. And we have the best message ever that God loves his children and sent his son to die so that we can live forever with him. That's a pretty easy sell, you know? It's not like we're door to door selling lawnmowers or something, like three easy payments of 33, 33, right? Like we have the best news ever. My prayer for tonight, my prayer for this space and whoever is listening to, to this is that this week we'll wake up a little bit more. This week when we hear the alarm clock go off, we won't hit snooze. Wake up a little bit more to just how beautiful God is, just how much God loves us. And from there, we'll take it to a city that needs to hear it. Um, Acts 2 as they're, they're going and doing their thing, it says they're meeting together daily, meeting with praise and thanksgiving. They're coming together to, to sing songs and remind themselves of how beautiful Jesus is. And then they go back out and they tell everyone, and then they come back together and they sing some more, and then they go back out and then they come back and they sing some more. So we don't just do these meetings because it's fun and it's what you're supposed to do, although it is fun and you should do it. We don't just sing these songs because it's tradition. We sing these songs because it's the best way I've been able to find, we've been able to find, to help myself and all of us wake up a little bit more to just how beautiful Jesus is. So would you guys stand with me? We're gonna sing a few songs here. And I'm gonna pray in just a second that, that Jesus would help us see a little bit more this week how beautiful he is and that that would propel us as we go about our lives, as the alarm clock goes off, to listen to it, not hit the snooze button, listen to it. And I think we just might see God do some pretty miraculous things in this city, and disciples be made and people be loved. So let's pray. Father God, we love you so, so much, Jesus. I, I, I thank you for life. Thank you for this space. I thank you for every soul in this room. Father, we pray right now as we sing to you that you would meet us here. Each individual is going through things, things I, I wouldn't even be able to understand, but you do. So Father, you are the great comforter. Would you, would you come and would you comfort? Would you come and would you help us wake up? Would you come and would you move us forward? We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's sing.